0: Welcome to Checking In, a weekly podcast from Hotel Owner, the UK's trusted source of hotel industry news and analysis. Each week we meet a new guest and learn their story, all the highs and lows, triumphs and disasters they've faced and how they got through to the other side. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you listen to. To get more industry insight, head to hotelowner.co.uk and subscribe for unlimited access. If you're interested in sponsoring episodes of the podcast, drop us a line at podcast at hotelowner.co.uk. I'm your host, Michael Northcott, editor of Hotel Owner, and this week I spoke with Jane Pendlebury, the CEO of Hosper. We spoke about her career starting as a trainee duty manager with Devere, her experience in RMS technology companies and how it relates to her role today, and her thoughts on how the industry has changed and the challenges it faces. Thank you very much for joining us this week, Jane.
1: It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Um, I was wanted to start by asking you uh, basically for a, a potted history of your, your career and what uh, what brought you to the top of HOSPA and um, just the sort of some of the key highlights uh, along the way.
1: Well, it's been a long time since I left school, so it's quite a long one, but I'll try and be brief. Um, I did a degree in hospitality and went straight into working for hotels. I worked for a chain hotel and then an independent hotel, Ended up organising conferences and all sorts of bits, uh, but ended up mainly, the bulk of my career has been selling technology to the hospitality industry. And way back after I had my second child, I started volunteering for, now it's called HOSPA, it was called Baha, the British Association of Hotel Accountants. Uh, I did some volunteering with them, I helped them out on some sponsorship packages uh, helped them at their conference, and then in 2014 I was taken on um, as a contractor actually to run their membership and events office, and then a couple of years later I was um, promoted to their CEO, which was very nice, and that was in
0: 2016. And uh, in, in joining Hospital what, what, what attracted you to the role in the first place to, to actually accept the, the offer when it came?
1: I was very familiar with the company having been a sponsor of Baha, HOSPA previously, and a member. So I was very familiar with how they worked. I thought what they did in the industry was really good um, in that they are able to keep the industry, or we now are able to keep the industry up to date with um, practicing finance Uh, revenue management technology, all those sorts of things. We write guides. So I just always held them on on a bit of a pedestal. So I was delighted to have the opportunity to, first of all, volunteer and then work. And then when I got the opportunity to be CEO, I was delighted to grasp that.
0: I'm just uh, looking at some notes on your CV here. We've uh, the the Agilisys role. Could could you explain alongside the other uh, revenue management roles that you've had? how uh, the experiences of doing those are brought to bear in the role as CEO.
1: Absolutely. So for Agilisys, they're an American-based company, and I was looking after Europe um, for them at the time. And they sold products into hotels. So mainly with Agilisys, it was property management systems and point-of-sale systems, which meant that I was running teams of people selling and supporting those systems across Europe, mainly in the UK. That's where their stronghold was. Um, uh, And then following that, I I, I more specifically went into working with revenue management systems, um, which was quite a buzzword um, back in the sort of early 2000s. Revenue management was very new, known as yield management back then. Um, And that just made the whole technology into hotels much more interesting than the standard reservation systems that I had been used to, to working with.
0: And can you give us a flavour of uh, the day-to-day responsibilities of the CEO role?
1: At HOSPA, the CEO (laughs) role at HOSPA. Well, gosh, I don't think there's a typical day, which is probably why I love it so much. But fundamentally, we are a membership organisation for the UK. So I often interact with members and they tend to be the senior layer in, in a hotel or any hospitality environment. So a lot of finance people, a lot of technology, CTOs, CFOs. Uh, revenue managers, again, anybody really that's got a commercial role in a hospitality setting are our members. So there's a lot of interaction with our members. And more often than not, that will be connecting them either to other members, because they might phone me with an issue that they've got. And I can say, well, I happen to know that the hotel down the road or the restaurant up the street had a similar issue. You can talk to them about it. Or connecting them maybe with some of our sponsors who might be able to solve their problem either through being a a firm of accountants or lawyers or selling technology, whatever it might be. So that's one key part. The other part is dealing with our sponsors, working with our sponsors to make sure that they are delivering for our members because we are all about the members. Um, and we try to encourage all of our sponsors to be thought leaders and not just out there selling systems to hotel. And then obviously I've got a team of people that we, uh, I interact with on a daily basis as well.
0: Uh, so to somebody who doesn't know about HOSPA, how would you describe it in a sentence?
1: So it's a membership organisation in the UK supporting our members by sharing best practice Um, and we have regular meetings so we're very good at networking as well we'll run conferences or one main conference a year some awards and then smaller meetings throughout the course of the year along with webinars um, and podcasts like this as well
0: and uh, are you on recruitment drives each year or or is, is it is it a sort of voluntary membership approach that people make what how does it work
1: well, I'd like to think people like to be our members. So although we do proactively work at getting more members in, we that's not necessarily taking up a lot of our time because our membership realistically because it's that senior level they do tend to know about us and we tend to appeal to the the chains or the larger independent or the or the more quality independent hotels tend to be our members but quite frankly if someone's of a senior position and of a decision-making power situation then we welcome them into our membership.
0: And what are the uh, current initiatives and uh, and operations that the, the, the organisation is working on?
1: Right now, our focus is on our annual conference, which is coming up in November. So that always keeps the whole team very busy. We We do the whole thing in-house, so we get all of the... Sponsorship, we get all of the delegates on board, we get all of the programme, we do awards. So we've been having nominations recently for our Inspirational Leaders Award in Finance, Revenue Management, Technology, um, Marketing. And there's one more that I've just forgotten. Oh, that's terrible. Sustainability. That's an important Very <laughs> one as well. Um, so we've got all the nominations in for that. We're judging them next week. And then we will launch those at the conference Uh, So it's mainly the conference at the moment, but throughout that we continue our day-to-day business of supporting our members uh, and looking after the people that actually fund us, um, our, our sponsors and, and supporters, that sort of thing. We are a not-for-profit, so we, we reinvest everything that we make back into the organisation.
0: Uh, so when you making, when you're reinvesting, are there, are there sort of new initiatives that appear each year or, or is there a structure to, to what's on offer uh, that, that's, that sort of gets more and more invested in it each year?
1: Um, I think each year we do do something new, but I never know what it's going to be because we just go with what the what, what the market forces are telling us to do. So, for example, during COVID, <clears throat> excuse me, during COVID, we ran our conference. So in twenty twenty, we didn't give up running our conference, even though the whole. There were no conferences. We ran it from the Royal Lancaster Hotel, but luckily they had installed a studio, so it was effectively like a TV broadcast. We had all the speakers in the room, but no delegates, so it was like running a daytime Of news programme which was was great Um, and at the time we just thought well that's what we had to do but looking back it was actually quite innovative and and quite forward thinking of us and I think every year we do something like that. Um, We've continued with our webinars which really truly we launched again during Covid, we did the odd one before but we've continued with those, we record them, we edit them so that they're then useful afterwards. Um, We've run an event very recently on tips and service charge which is a bit of new legislation that's going to come in probably next year but we ran an event lovely at the bt tower which was lovely we got brilliant views over london so we'll just go with how the market drives us we are here to serve our members so um we will we will do whatever they need effectively
0: so just to pick up on the uh, the the aspect there i think it's just recent enough to uh shoehorn in a, a conversation about it briefly um what were the main challenges faced by HOSPA during that time um, and, and what lessons have, have survived the, the sort of the pandemic receding from view?
1: Yeah, it was an interesting time. Um, I've learned to say it was a rewarding time because I don't think anyone can say they enjoyed it, but it was actually very rewarding for the hospital team. We didn't make anyone redundant or furlough anyone. We all continued to work. And I think, like everyone else, our working practices haven't gone back to normal in that a lot of people do work from home. The office isn't as busy as it used to be. Um, so, we, yeah, we we helped our members uh, I stayed in the office. Uh, I was the only one going into the office. So all the phone calls came to me, which was actually the best thing, and that there was just one single person answering all the phone calls um, because I was able to get a proper grip on what was happening. And I often tell the story, and and, uh, you may have heard it before, that I took one phone call just before we went into lockdown from somebody I know very well, large London hotel, said to me, Jane, I've never closed a hotel before. I, I don't know how to do it and I know him well enough to say mm, nor do I, I've never worked in a seasonal hotel even that closes down so between us we wrote we wrote a list of what we could both think of and he put down the phone and said thanks very much and I put down the phone a bit bewildered thinking goodness me that was an interesting one and literally about half an hour later I got another phone call saying pretty much the same but I already had half a list written um, so then that became a working live document that we were able to share with our members so that was a very interesting thing that happened um, and it just go went to prove our best practice sort of theme our our strap line of best practice that was truly a good example of how we were able to to put suggestions together Um, and then go back to webinars things like that we did see the value in doing those um, and not necessarily going up to London or to see other cities whatever it might be as often as we used to which has its has its negative impact as well but certainly is more efficient from a work perspective.
0: Did the COVID period um, draw more hoteliers who were already members out of the woodwork to actually make use of Hospa's services?
1: It did, and we actually changed our membership program during um, COVID. We were we couldn't bring ourselves to send invoices to our members when they weren't operating, so we didn't send any membership invoices. And then after we, when we got back to the stage where we would have been resurrecting the invoices, we thought actually. What's the point? They they want to be our members. It was just an inconvenience to pay and actually quite a small fee. So we just make our entry qualifications a little bit tighter so that people have to apply to be a member and they have to qualify to be a member. But it is actually now free of charge um, to the right person. Uh, we do have a fellow membership, which is a paid for, but that just gives them some extra privileges and a little bit of status in the in- in industry too.
0: And what? Uh, how would you describe the, the typical hotelier if there is such a thing on the member list?
1: <laughs> I don't think there is such a thing. We go from very smartly dressed, dapper gentlemen, um, old school, very English type, right through to a jean wearing, trainer wearing, young person who's just may, maybe starting up for the first time there isn't a standard member i would say typically they're all very nice though hospitality people tend to be in my opinion
0: and um you've been in the role uh how many years since ceo uh, since 2016 Since
1: 2016
0: um do you do you enjoy the role do you, do you still enjoy it as, as much as when you started
1: i do love it um there are days obviously where i'm tearing my hair out and i wonder why i do it but generally i do really enjoy my role and it is um, i'll go back to that word rewarding it is very rewarding when we know we've helped people um and after the conference we get some great feedback and that that's that's a great feeling afterwards so yes i do enjoy my job
0: if um obviously don't no need to name names but if 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 you had to give an example of the most reward one of the most rewarding recent experiences you've had in the role what what would it be Gosh, is there a particular story
1: recent one um, i think because my mind's on covid since you asked that question i remember one where um, Somebody phoned me up, excuse me, and their bank was pulling the plug on them effectively. Uh, and they, they tried everything and, and this chap phoned me in absolute desperation uh, and I, I didn't think I could do anything. But I happened to have a contact at the bank that he banked with, um, gave him a call, explained the situation. And the bank himself said to me, I probably won't be able to help, but I'll give them a call, gave them a call. and And yeah, it was it was sorted. So I think there was an element of luck in that. But that was very rewarding. Um, but generally, it is making introductions, um, introducing either one hotelier to another or a restaurateur to another, or to a sponsor, putting people in touch with with the right people. That's a big part of what we do. The networking element is is key, fundamental to Hospers' principles.
0: I can imagine that um, not to uh, stay on COVID for too long, but it's <laughs> a, a, an experience like that is something that reveals to everyone the importance of having friends in the industry and being able to share ideas and solutions, mechanisms to cope with certain circumstances, um, yeah.
1: Um, well I was what I was gonna what I was thinking of when you were saying that is you can tell the the hotels that recovered, if I use the example of hotels because I think it was easier for them particularly to recover if you compare it to a restaurant, because the hotels could stay open if they put their minds to it, if they wanted to house NHS people or military people or whatever. Or a lot of them uh stayed open not necessarily with guests, although I, again, some, t- some took in homeless people, but others were just serving meals to NHS staff, doing amazing things for their community. And I think those that p- put in the time and the investment and didn't just give up ha- reaped the rewards when, when the, the industry reopened. So those, those hotels, I think, are continuing to be more successful than the others that just shut their doors and, and buried their heads
0: so at the start of your career um and i will tie this in you you began at the i've got my cv research right here the royal bath hotel as a trainee and duty manager?
1: Yeah, that was um, a Devere property at the time in, in Bournemouth. Yeah, I went through all the different departments um, and really learned about all the different departments. So if someone talks to me about cleaning bedrooms, I, I, I know that I've done it a long time ago now, but I, I have been in that and I've done waitressing and I worked in a kitchen, worked in reception, uh, did a bit of switchboard, absolutely everything with the hotel. It was a, a Devere management programme effectively, which was which was really interesting. I'm, I'm very grateful that I had that opportunity
0: Mm. And I wondered if um, the experience of having actually worked in hotels, uh, firstly, are there any sort of enduring lessons that that uh, are more or less unchanged, uh, or are there differences that you see in the in the hotel market now where the, where the challenges are different for hoteliers?
1: I think it's changed a lot since I was actually working in a hotel. Certainly, from a technology perspective, there was there was very little technology really when although it makes me sound so old doesn't it but if you compare what I was working with um you know the sort of before the turn of the century goodness um to what they're doing now it's very very different um and I feel lucky that that bit of my career where I was involved in technology kept me up to date with all, all the progressions throughout from from front office throughout the hotel I think the over, overriding element though of any hospitality business needs to be that people hospitality view and that smile at the front desk you, you can't replace that with a computer or a robot or anything else and um my view on technology is always that it should enable should free up the staff to deal with the guest uh, or make the guest life easier there's no point having a general manager who's who's stuck behind his desk all day looking at his computer and not actually finding speaking to the guest seeing one what's going on and getting the feel the vibe within the hotel because that's crucial and that's not just a general manager that can be any role really a revenue manager needs to be out there feeling the hotel getting getting the, the vibe as I said um, talking to the other team members um, and getting to, to know what the guest is actually after what they want what they seem to be enjoying
0: uh, I guess we had on recently said that the, uh, it, it, the modern general manager role feels more akin to a sort of CEO of the hotel uh, business operations role, uh, where it felt more, more personalised uh, going, back, going back 20 years. Would, would you agree with that impression?
1: I think so many roles in the hotel have become an awful lot more commercial. If you look at marketing, um, it, years gone by, marketing was about making a pretty brochure. Apologies to all those marketers out there that um, <laughs> would dispute that. But now, and in the, m- maybe more than 10 years, but in, in recent years, it's become such a commercial role. And uh, the marketing people sit on the board, they're senior people. And so they should. Um and, and the same with technology people. In years gone by, technology used to maybe report into finance. Now the technology director or uh, CTO tends to be a senior strategic decision maker. Um, I think most of the roles in hotels have become more commercial, and the general manager would be would be one of those roles. Yes.
0: Um, do you perceive that outside the individual hotel, there's a there are any significant structural changes in in the market? Perhaps in the last ten years, I remember a while back at Hotel Owner, we wrote uh, some pieces about uh, the impact of Airbnb and uh, what that what the implications might be uh, for hoteliers of, of that uh, platform growing very quickly. Um, from what we, I can tell, it's uh, it's it's become an adjunct to hospitality rather than sort of swallowing up all the hotel uh, revenue. Um, something along those lines. Are there any structural changes you, you perceive?
1: Um, there have been threats like Airbnb always. They, they seem to be almost cyclical in the way they come along. Um, I remember when companies like Booking.com, the online travel agents, the OTAs, they, there was a lot of fear about them for a very long time. Um and now I would like to think that people either view them as, a, as an asset that you can get bookings through Booking.com and Expedia and all the others that are out there. Um, but they should be a means to an end rather than letting them dominate our business in the same way that the fear of Airbnb was that people wouldn't want to stay in hotels anymore anymore. Uh, I, th- I think these are just challenges that are, are thrown at the industry to make sure they're paying attention and, and uh, reacting to what the guests actually want.
0: Yeah, I, I think we have this in, where every sector has its, uh, its sort of f- f- looming threat uh, mentality that people are worried about. Mm-hmm. In, uh, in journalism, we're worried about ChatGPT taking away all our writing jobs. So, <laughs> I uh, bet you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, with uh, the the... The sort of latest market conditions. Um, do, do you have a view on how the hotel the hotel market outlook is at the moment? How are hoteliers reporting that they feel uh, about about the outlook currently, with the cost of living crisis and numerous other factors.
1: Yes, I think the biggest problem for your average um, hospitality hotel owner at the moment or, or operator is things like the supply chain and the cost of the utilities, which are just debilitating i mean if you look at the percentages of how much some of those costs have gone up um it's it's a very scary prospect and i found myself when i'm not at work explaining to my friends why a meal in a pub is more expensive than just sort of adding up the the contents of the 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 ingredients in the meal um and people say yeah yeah of course hadn't thought about that um but supply chain and and the cost of everything is is a very dominating factor at the moment so that that is a worry um But again, we're resilient. The industry tends to to ride these these waves and and come out the other end. So um, and and it is a bit of a survival of the fittest. Uh, Those that have got their eye on the ball and focused and, you know, checking their costs and doing what they can to keeping control of those are obviously, I suppose, the most likely to survive.
0: There, there was a big boom in hotel in the hotel business uh last year
1: in the staycations
0: yeah yes
1: yeah. I mean that was that was amazing again gosh we keep mentioning covid and we should be past that but post covid when people weren't so keen or not able to travel um certainly the resort hotels the the non-city center type hotels probably had their best years ever in 2021 2022 um I know that average room rates were eye-wateringly high and that spilt over for, for a long time probably only just sort of tapering off now because there were family parties that hadn't happened there were the weddings that were delayed there were you know just sort of family get-togethers and and then because they'd been waiting so long um, they tended to spend a little bit more as well so some of the central London hotels were finding they were hosting more private parties rather than corporate events uh, so yes, that that's definitely uh, uh, yeah they they did definitely benefit from that point of view yes, but they needed it having been shut for the best part of a year.
0: Do you have thoughts on the, the where, what changes to the shape of the market may arise over the next three to five years? What what's what's on the horizon if you had to make some crystal ball predictions? Uh.
1: Um, some predictions it, it, it is interesting London is doing incredibly well at the moment if you try to get a hotel room in London it's 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 a quite hard and b very expensive um, I, I don't think that will change because it seems to me the more rooms we put in the bigger the supply it doesn't seem to to satisfy the demand so I, th- I think the cities are are going to continue to to thrive led by London London seems to be the the, the destination but then Edinburgh in Scotland has that's always a, a, a great venue as well, a great attraction for overseas visitors as well as as well as domestic visitors. Um, I think all the cities will, um, so long as they they play their cards right and make sure they continue to to proactively look for the business that's that's coming in, then they will do well. And then the countryside, the resorts, the the sort of privately owned hotels that tend to be outside the city centre, I think it's 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 down to them to make sure they get their marketing right and their appeal. To their local community as well as to the to the wider British public and world. Um, so I think marketing, again coming back to marketing being key, I think that is a big part of it.
0: Is there a sense of optimism amongst your members at the at the, at the moment?
1: I like to think they are very positive. Uh, however, I would say they always have a positive outlook, and, and we're a bunch of people that tend to look on the on the bright side where possible, or the vast majority. I'm just thinking of a few exceptions there in my head. I won't mention them. <laughs> uh, I, I think overall the outlook is is positive. I as I say the biggest worry at the moment is the increasing costs of everything. But other than that, I don't think people are any any more concerned than they ever have been. Um, and then there's things that people don't really talk about, the exclusive use hotels, the hotels that are Housing uh, refugees, uh, they those some some of the chains are doing that and, and keeping it sort of out of out of sight, really. But um, that can be but well, not necessarily lucrative but a way to keep the hotel with a steady income mm. um and then the any any surplus that's made from that any profits that's made from that will need to be reinvested probably to bring the hotel hotel back up to its previous standard but i think there is business out there if you want to find it, it might not necessarily be the business you want but there 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 will be stuff to find if if people want to
0: um a hot button topic for the, the industry recent in, in the last few years has been this issue of uh, VAT on hospitality businesses uh, and I wondered what you thought of the current state of play, uh, political discussion around that.
1: I don't think there is very much political discussion on it. Um, We rely on uh, UK hospitality Kate Nichols and her team to do all that lobbying for government Um, but I know that it has been a big campaign in the past to get the VAT rate reduced for hospitality, which I think would be an amazing thing. If you look across Europe, most of them do have different VAT rates for hospitality, which would benefit everybody. Um, Well, maybe not the government themselves. They want that full VAT, but I think it would help keep the industry alive. Uh, We saw the government really support the industry, um, back in 2020 with the eTAC to help out but i feel that since then they seem to have lost sight a little bit of hospitality um, and it's not through lack of knocking on the door from from uh, uk hospitality i think a reduction in vat would be a massive benefit to the industry um, but i don't think we're going to see it anytime soon unfortunately
0: um so away from current affairs uh, just briefly what would you what is what would you say is the the hardest challenge you've had in your career so far,
1: the hardest, and challenge. how you overcame it. Too. Oh, goodness, <laughs> um, right? That's that's interesting. um I would say, if I go back over my whole career, when things have been at their toughest, it's when I there, there's been a breakdown in communication, either with me and my bosses or me and my team, whatever it might be. I think we learn, don't we, as we go through our career? And I would, I often say this: communication is absolutely key. Um, And I I hope that we have our our doors open to our members, our sponsors, and also just with with the HOSPA team. Communication, I think, is so, so important. Um, So where I've had issues, I've tried to solve them with communication. Um, I think that would probably, I don't think there's any one thing that I've had to particularly deal with that stands out in my career. Maybe I've just been very lucky.
0: Where do you see yourself in five years' time?
1: On a beach? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I would be heading towards a retirement in, in five years' time. So I, I don't suppose I will have another role after CEO of HOSPA. Maybe I'll sort of do a bit of part-time or something. But I think I will be um, either retired or CEO of HOSPA. And I would like to think that HOSPA has, has, again, moved forward, as we have done in the sort of six, seven years of, of my leadership. Uh, but, yeah, I'm sort of, sort of late 50s now. So, yeah
0: um so this the next segment uh, we we do a uh, a few questions about the person behind the, the personality behind the interview desert island discs style so um if you're ready for these i have a few few questions about uh, your interests go
1: on let's give it a try
0: um so to start with your favorite book
1: I have just read a brilliant book, which is called Lessons in Chemistry, which I really thoroughly enjoyed. It was one of those books that when I was reading it, I didn't want it to end. Then when it ended, it was a great ending. Everything about it was brilliant, but I could have almost started reading it again. I, I just seem to always prefer the book I've read most recently or one of the ones I've read most recently. So that is is my favorite. Probably if anyone was to ask me to recommend a book this, uh, that I've read this summer, it would be Lessons in Chemistry. Um I've, I remember over the years, the Philippa Gregory writes some historical novels, and there's one about, I think it was called *The Other Berlin Girl*, which was a favourite book for a very long time. But I, I, I belong to actually two book clubs, so I do read quite a lot. Uh, so I can not I can pinpoint a particular favourite.
0: Um, I'm similar. I, I actually, my the, the book that I say is my favourite, which I won't repeat on here, is uh, because I don't want to be asked what it's about. Uh, is one that I, I, can, I can only outline the plot very very lightly for, because I haven't read it for 15 years so, um, so yeah I'm going to sympathise with that um, your favourite film
1: again i don't have a favorite film i'm actually really rubbish at watching films i tend to fall asleep which is a bit embarrassing i always have done though ever since i was you know, first watched a film i tend to love those rom-coms how naff is that but um love actually i think it's a great film pretty That's woman all of those i mean i just i just love all of those if i'm honest i prefer to watch a, a documentary god that makes me sound dull but i love a documentary or uh, a sort of um uh, when they do a dramatization of, of an actual thing that happened you know if there was I Know, the, uh, some some murder or something like that i quite enjoy those sorts of uh, especially if they're you know made into into a, a feature rather than an actual sort of documentary just a, you
0: know and do your do you have a, a favorite holiday destination
1: again i'm going to say what i did this summer because it was probably one of my favorite holidays and i have been before i went to the maldives um, and it's just idyllic that uh, people say, "Don't you get bored? Well, yes, there isn't an awful lot to do, but that's part of why I love it. Um, but there is plenty to do. There's beautiful seas with it's like swimming in an aquarium. Um, And there's beautiful beaches. Uh, You can walk around the island. Usually the island is small enough to walk around. But I I just love that relaxation. So that would be, I think, my ultimate holiday destination. I'll be back again for sure.
0: It's on my list, 100%. Not been yet. You must go. Um, And do you have any pet hates?
1: Pet hates. When people use the same word all the time, and now I'm going to listen back to this and see that I have... (laughs) um it's if they say well basically it's because I did that and basically I did that yesterday and that I find that so frustrating it's irrational of me I know but that would be a pet hate I think
0: I have to check my hosting uh, <laughs> hasn't contained a load of them I fear it might have done we can get onto the edit um and um finally uh if you had to give a piece of advice to somebody starting in their career uh in hospitality what what what, what would you tell them what would you tell your younger self if you could
1: I think the piece of advice that has stayed with me throughout my life is something, two things, actually. My father said to me, don't be afraid of the unknown. It's never as bad as you think it's going to be. And that's so valuable um because you can, if you're doing something for the first time it can be quite daunting um but that's one piece of advice that I, I take from him and then somebody else I used to work for years ago who didn't live by her own advice but she said to me never fall out with anyone in hospitality because you'll meet them again and that is so so true um Yeah, I've been in the industry for, gosh, I I don't think how many years, but I've never really worked anywhere else. Um, And I have come across the same people. I'll say, goodness, you know, it's 20 years since I saw you. But yeah, never fall out with anybody if you can possibly avoid it.
0: Very sound advice. Um, Jane, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, It's been a pleasure speaking with you.
1: I've loved it. Thanks very much.
0: Thanks for listening to Checking In, a weekly podcast from Hotel Owner, the UK's trusted source of hotel industry news and analysis. Each week, we meet a new guest and learn their story, all the highs and lows, triumphs and disasters they've faced and how they got through to the other side. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you listen to. To get more industry insight, head to hotelowner.co.uk and subscribe for unlimited access. If you're interested in sponsoring episodes of the podcast, drop us a line at podcast at hotelowner.co.uk.